Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and we are coming at you this and every Saturday having conversations about Christian life, Christian living, living on mission, showing and sharing the love of Jesus uh, in a broken and hurting world. And we're going to talk some about that brokenness today, and we're going to talk some about how we we walk through that. Where's the grace of God fit in? How's the gospel fit in and more? We have a, I, always, I say a special guest, all of our guests are special, but, but I happen to like this particular guest in a particular way because he's really ministered to me. I love talking to people who have ministered to me by their ministry and by their writing and more. So our conversation today is actually going to be with Scott Sauls. Now Scott Sauls is a pastor and he's pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville. He's written several books, including this one we're going to talk about today, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Hurt, Regret, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. We're actually going to give away a few copies of the book as well, and uh, let me deal more about Scott. So Scott, um, he's been a pastor for a while, served at New York City's Redeemer Presbyterian Church as the lead and preaching pastor, and planted two churches in the Midwest. He's very thoughtful and engages graciously. We, we got to hang out a little bit together um, when we were over at, uh, we both preached at Saddleback and during during the pandemic, actually. And it was, um, we actually could, took this little trip down Rick Warren's library, which we've put it, we'll put it the links there at edstetzerlive.com so you can kind of see and enjoy that because it was kind of a funny a funny journey for us. But he's a, he's a friend, he's, very, he's a very thoughtful Christian leader, and I'm glad to be able to bring him into the conversation today. So Scott, we're just going to jump right in with some questions and comments with this as well. Let's start with the title. The title's kind of unusual, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Hurt, Regret, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. I mean, hurt, regret, fear, we probably get that, but beautiful people, better humans, talk to us about that. Yeah, thanks, Ed. First, uh, appreciate you having me on here and always welcome an opportunity to remind people of that epic video of you and me in Rick <laughs> Warren's uh, library. That was uh, quite an experience to see that. Uh, but uh, anyway, great to be with you. And uh, yes, the, the title is actually uh, taken from a quote uh, by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is a grief specialist. And uh, that quote, it's a short one. She says, the most beautiful people we've known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of those depths. And then she goes on to say, these persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and deep loving concern. And then she closes it with, beautiful people do not just happen. So that's where the, the title came from. And really, the, the paragraph before it, um, uh, describes the purpose of the book. It's not your typical book on suffering. Really, what, I, what I'm after is, is to help people who uh, deal with things like regret or you know guilt and shame or hurt that have to do with the various pain points in our lives uh, and, and fear, you know, our anxiety about the future, our, our sort of you know, meditation or worry about um, future uh, worst case scenarios. Those experiences, um, you might put them all under under the category of distress. Um, distress, I'm trying to get across, can actually be a wonderful incubator for formation in our character, uh, formation in how deeply we know Jesus Christ, and ultimately formation into the kinds of people who can show up really well for other people. Uh, with compassion, compassion, gentleness, and deep loving concern, as as Kubler Ross has said. So, so that's kind of the gist of it. 
Yeah, I like the gist of it. And, and you know, the the book is is both deeply personal, but also comes from your own pastoral ministry. Twenty five years plus of pastoral ministry, you've walked with lots of people uh, through hard seasons and challenges. But in the book, you also talk some about your own battles with uh, anxiety and depression, which is. I don't know. It's it's somewhat unusual for pastors to have those kinds of forthright discussions. Why did you think it was important to include some of your own struggles and maybe share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I don't just talk about my anxiety and depression. That's I also right. talk about my worry, my hypochondria, yeah. my uh, guilt and shame from from things I said or did thirty seven years ago. So so there's a lot of there's a lot of right. stuff in there. Like if you want if you want really good material uh, in order to um, you know dog me or, or, or tease me or make fun of me. This, this book has a lot of that material in it. Wow. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've become over time, Ed, uh, in all seriousness, a great fan of Christian leaders, especially putting their worst foot forward, um, mm-hmm. uh, meaning uh, being willing to share how we uh, are fellow strugglers with the people that God you know, has put in our path to, to teach or to pastor or to write to. Uh, and this, you know, this isn't just pastors. This is parents. This is teachers. This is counselors. This is this is anybody who has influence in the life of other people. And uh, yeah, I don't know about you. I don't know about your listeners, but the people that I'm drawn toward the most when I'm struggling with something is those who are a bit ahead of me uh, in that struggle and have have had the experience of of deepening their their walk with Christ uh, through that experience and also have become better at showing up for up for others. So, you know, people who have got experience with struggle, uh, I'm drawn to, but I also think it's it's fiercely biblical, right? I mean, we, we've got we've got all of this junk on, you know, what the Bible calls the heroes of the faith, right? Uh, you know, King David with his adultery and murder and his abuse of power with Bathsheba. You know, we've got the Apostle Paul talking openly about his coveting, and then, of course, at the end of his life and ministry, referring to himself as the chief of sinners. Um, so we've got a lot of examples, even in Scripture, of, of people leading with their weakness. You could also look to Paul's uh, thorn in the flesh. And that's not to draw attention to ourselves. It's not to dramatize our stories. Uh, the ultimate point is to use our stories, every part of it, to point to the gospel and to point to Jesus Christ as the solution uh, for every regret, hurt, or fear. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've noticed, and I'm guessing you have as well, that when I share through struggle and I share through pain, uh, that you know, just as a pastor, people respond so clearly because we all have that in common. We've all walked through difficult season. But what's weird is, and, and you know, I'm guessing we're around the same age. Maybe you're a little younger than me. Um, I, I'm guessing that. In seminary, well, I was not taught to do that. As a matter of fact, I was encouraged to, in some ways, make distance from hmm. the people because I have to lead them, right? You want to you yeah. be an example for them. But That's it right. appears that sometimes one of the ways we're example is to, is to be honest about our hurt. Yeah, it's a delicate balance because, again, we don't want to bleed on people. Um, and and we, don't, we don't want our ministry to become about us. And, and sometimes we can make it about us if we... If we, you know, turn our weaknesses into, um, you know, something more dramatic than than we're meant to, from a place of being a minister or being a teacher or being a shepherd or a parent, for that matter, right? The, again, I want to reiterate the purpose of sharing any struggle in a teaching and leadership environment 
uh, is, is to help people who might have that similar struggle see what it looks like to draw on the resources of the gospel. A uh, great example is the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. You know, he, there's that famous wretched man that I am who will rescue me from this body of death. And he's talking about his own struggle with envy or coveting, uh, which is a violation of the 10th commandment, right? He's talking of, about himself as a sinner. Uh, but then after that, we get Romans 8, where, where he begins, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to talk about how the Holy Spirit groans alongside of us in our weakness when we don't know how to pray or we don't know how to find words. The Holy Spirit is an advocate and, and comes right alongside us and comforts us in our weakness. And then Romans 8 ends with, with this bold declaration of how nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. And so that's Paul's that's Paul using his own story of, of sin and conviction and desire to obey God. And, and then Romans 8, uh, giving us the solution of, of the grace of Christ, the love of Christ, the advocacy of Christ. And so we share our weakness in the same way that we share our strength. We, we, we want to point people to Christ. Um, of course, it's different in a counselor's office, right? Like if you're falling apart and, and you need help, don't go to the people you're leading to be kind of your own group therapy session, right? Go, go to a counselor or, or whoever those people are that are pastoring and shepherding you. And I think every leader needs those people. Um, there's an appropriate time and an appropriate way to sort of self-disclose and an appropriate boundary uh, as well, depending on who it is that we're disclosing those struggles to. Yeah. And I do, I do think, um, for our listeners, for just Christians everywhere, uh, one of the things that I've always found just so freeing is when we're having a conversation, maybe I was just having a conversation recently about parenting with another couple, and uh, and we just shared, you know, here's some struggles we had. They go, oh, it was so disclosing. We've we've had those struggles as well. And, and mm-hmm. I think there's a sense that we're all uh, fellow strugglers on this journey. And I want to continue my conversation with Scott and invite you into that conversation as well. We're, uh, we're at 877-548-3675. Maybe, maybe you're going to talk some about how do you walk through some of the hurt, regret, and fear and this spiritual journey that you're on. Maybe you've got some things you've learned along the way or some questions about where you are right now. Our phone number is, again, 877-548-3675. Here with Scott Sauls on Ed Scutzer Live. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. back. We're talking to my friend Scott Sauls, and we're talking about his new book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. And we're actually kind of really talking to him about the struggle. The subtitle is How God Redeems Hurt, Regret, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. Uh, my name is Ed Stetzer. I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, serve as a dean and professor at Wheaton, and every Saturday get to be a radio host with you here on Moody Radio, our partners and affiliates. I was talking recently to a guest I recently had on. He talked about the uh, the audience that we have the privilege of serving and some of the callers that have called in and said they're just so 
thoughtful and engaged, and I love that. I love that, and I hope you're coming back to this Saturday program, or maybe you're listening on the podcast. You can go to edstetzerlive.com and uh, download and subscribe to the podcast as well. To Scott, we go. Scott, you write, the more the soul is worked and stretched to its limits, the more able it becomes to endure suffering and enjoy God all at once. Well, that's a challenging statement, kind of a hopeful one at the same time. A lot of people feeling stretched to their limits right now. What's your advice to those who are just maybe at the end of their proverbial rope? Well, I, you know, a couple of answers come to mind there, Ed. Um, just based on my own experience and my own observation in my you know years as as a pastor of of what's most effective. Uh, for people in distress. One is to make sure we're in community. Uh, isolation is a, um, a bad and, and sometimes devastating uh, place to uh, try to work out things like regret, hurt, and fear. Um, so, you know, a healthy local church uh, for starters, uh, as well as kind of a smaller group of, of friends who, um, you know, believe and seek to live their lives under Jesus in the gospel like you do. I can't overemphasize, uh, can't emphasize enough how important it is to, to, to struggle in the context of community when we struggle. Um, and just to have those people that we can, we can talk to, they can pray over us. Now, when, when the need gets, uh, you know, to the acute level, uh, always helpful too to enlist the services of, of maybe a pastor from your church, uh, or maybe a, an elder or, uh, you know, somebody else, a, a, a man or a woman who's a leader in the church to, who's, who's kind of up for the task of coming alongside people and who specializes in that. And of course, professional counseling. And, and um, you know, there are also sorts of wonderful online options now for, for those who don't have good professional counseling in their hometowns and cities. But in addition to that, uh, of course, uh, would be just to go straight to the source of, of Jesus Christ, who, you know, is, is inviting us uh, at all times. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, and of course, Christ sympathizes with all of our weaknesses, um, as, as Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews reminds us. And also, you know, one of the things that I've found really comforting, Ed, in my, my seasons of deepest struggle uh, depending, regardless of what the struggle has been, is the solidarity that that we have with with the people in Scripture. Um, there are so many examples of of men and women in Scripture who have navigated the the trials and tribulations of of guilt and shame, of of you know just the brokenness of of living in a fallen world or experiencing betrayal in relationships or maybe even being the betrayer and feeling you know guilty and ashamed of that. Uh, or even fear of the future. You've got all kinds of examples in the scripture there. And over and over and over again, the, the power of God, the presence of God, the promises of God through Jesus Christ um, come through. And uh, I don't know, I just, I take comfort that the Bible is full of screw ups. It's, it's full of strugglers. Uh, it's full of sinners. It's full of sufferers, uh, you know, who find hope uh, in the gospel, who find redemption in the gospel. And so, um, important also to emphasize going back to the scriptures and back to the truth over and over and over again, because we don't want to be formed by other things. And, and we're going to be formed by what we expose our minds and hearts to the most. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting that you in I, that your your book is actually rich with the gospel, pointing people to Jesus, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's one of the things I, I really appreciated. Simultaneously, it's filled with your own journey and struggle. I think for a lot of Christians, uh, well, I, I would just say, let me just say, I don't know a lot. For Ed Stetzer, my early Christian life was kind of discipled in a tradition that basically said I should have no problems. I'm just going to be walking in joy, and 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 it's just going to be great. Everything's going to be perfect, and it wasn't. Um, and that was kind of a pretty big letdown for me. So, how do you square your forthrightness about your own struggles with the joy of the gospel that should we have less of those struggles as followers of Jesus? Well, you know, as you're talking, Ed, uh, 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 an experience comes to mind that I had uh, when I was when I was getting my uh, master's, when I was in seminary, and uh, I was invited to participate one night in uh, this worship service uh, that was conducted by a local prison ministry, and they were bringing guest speakers, um, you know, like you, like me. Uh, and then they would also bring in a guest uh, music team, you know, to lead, you know, the prisoners in, in music and, and in worship. And, um, and one of the songs just really bugged me um, because, you know, here we are in this room filled with it was all men. It was a men's prison, you know, guys who are, you know, behind bars for all sorts of reasons. Some of us, some of them death row, um, you know, folks who, you know, security let them out for worship services and things like that. Um, But one of the lyrics of one of the songs that, that they invited the prisoners to sing with them was in the presence of Jesus, all of our problems disappear. And uh, it just felt like such an irony <laughs> to me for, for yeah. those songs to be sung anywhere because because any room you know filled with people is also going to be a room filled with problems. And, and if you if you look at even at the life of Christ, who's the most perfect human that ever lived and who lived his entire life in um, you know the, the, the unmediated presence of his father, uh, except when he was forsaken on the cross, um, and and all Jesus seemed to have was problems. And, you know, look at how his life ended, uh, you know, crucified in his early 30s. Uh, and, of course, the resurrection, you know, triumphed over all of that. But, um, you know, it was Jesus himself who said to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. Uh, trust in God, trust also in me. And, of course, 11 of the 12 disciples died as martyrs uh, because of their faith. And number 12, John um, you know, died in prison for his faith. And, and, and so, you know, again, the the thought that there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with God, if there is suffering, um, just doesn't square with the reality that we live in a fallen world and that we are fallen people. And we're, we're going to, we're going to experience struggle. Um, and, and if, if we don't struggle, I, you know, maybe it's because we're, we've, lived a relatively sheltered life or, um, things are just going our way for now, but, but eventually, you know, the mortality rate is still one person for every one person. And so eventually, you know, it's going to catch everyone, uh, even the best Mm -hmm. of us. So what then is the the hope of the gospel? And again, you just for people just turn, tuning in, uh, this is part of what we're talking about in his book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. Scott Sauls is our guest. So what's the hope of the gospel in the midst of the regret, the, the hurt and the fear? Well, the, the, that word hope, um, 
you know, has to do really with the, with the future. Right. Um, and you know, there are two kinds of hope there's, there's this sort of everyday, well, I hope that I get a raise or I, I hope that, um, you know, my kids are healthy or, I, you know, I hope that, you know, maybe next summer we can go on the vacation that we've always wanted to go on. Um, you know, that kind of hope is, is sort of a, there's no guarantee to it, but it, but it's sort of a wish. Whereas in scripture, when it talks about hope, it talks about a hope that does not disappoint. And it's, it's very interesting that when Paul talks about the hope that does not disappoint, he's talking about it in Romans 5 when he's talking about suffering. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings, uh, which produce perseverance, which produce character, which produces hope that does not disappoint because the love of God is poured out in our hearts in Christ Jesus. And then again, a few chapters later in Romans 8, he talks about how all creation is groaning and how we are groaning from, you know, guilt, shame, hurt, suffering, sorrow, fear, anxiety. We're groaning. Uh, and yet right in there is also the promise that, that, that when Christ returns, uh, it's all going to be made new. It's all going to be resolved. Uh, and, you know, world without end, as, as many of us sing in our churches uh, on a regular basis. And, you know, here, here's what I'm trying to get through ultimately to, to the reader. Um, the season that we're living in right now is a season that includes distress, suffering, sorrow, sin, right? But it's a very short season in the span of the life that God has given us. In many respects, the fullness of life that God has given us hasn't even begun yet because it doesn't begin until Christ returns, perfects us, resurrects us, and we're in the new heaven and the new earth. And so, so the main, one of the main points I'm trying to get across to the reader is if you're a Christian, your long-term worst case scenario is resurrection and everlasting life. That's as bad as it's going to be a hundred years, a thousand years, a billion years from now. And if, if we can live with that perspective, that, that our best days are always ahead of us, that the golden years are always future and never in the past, uh, the best is always yet to come. Um, it, it, it frames the way that we process the present day sin and sorrows that we, we have to contend with for now. Powerful, powerful, and important. So important that we think that way. I think an unrealistic expectation of life is one of the great challenges a lot of Christians do face. Uh, you, you talk some about shaming and wearying thoughts. I want to talk about that in just a moment. I want to invite people to call in again, 877-548-3675. With your question or your comment, 877-548-3675. Talk to me about shaming and wearying thoughts and how where God's different point points us to a different direction. Uh, right now or after the break? No, no, right now, right now, go for oh, it. Oh, right now, shaming, this moment, wearying this moment. thoughts. You're shaming, wearying uh, thoughts. You know, I talk about this in the opening chapter uh, about a, a season in my 20s when, when I just had this immobilizing hypochondria. I was terrified that I had gotten this rare disease that, that's terminal. It ended up not being that disease, but my symptoms mocked it for a while. It ended up being a virus, but um, but I had this deep hypochondria and, um, you know, this older gentleman who was a professor of mine at Covenant Seminary, his name is uh, Jerem Bars. And he, he uh, you know, he worked with Francis Schaefer. If any of your, your listeners know who Francis Schaefer is, started 
this uh, place called Labrie, which means shelter uh, in, in England, uh, and ended up being a professor in St. Louis at Covenant Seminary, where I got my education. And so, so he also became kind of an older brother to me, uh, an older brother figure, or maybe even like a father figure. And, you know, I confided in him about my, my hypochondria. And, and he said, Scott, you know, you, you need to learn to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. And what he was doing was, was he was essentially trying to echo what the Apostle Paul uh, talked about when he said, we demolish strongholds, uh, and stronghold meaning the enemy's shaming, accusing voice um, and demoralizing voice. We demolish strongholds and and take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Now, there is a Christ thought to address every experience of guilt, shame, suffering, sorrow, uh, fear, anxiety. Um, and, and the word of Christ always brings hope, always brings restoration, always brings renewal into those spaces or in, into those specific pain points that we, we struggle with. And, and so, you know, just, you know, Paul talks about it in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, it, it starts by, you know, saturating our thought life with, with what's true and beautiful and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy, as Paul says in Philippians. Um, and, you know, over the course of time, and I, I can talk about, you know, the effect that this has had on, that this kind of daily practice has had on the person who has probably influenced me the most outside of my own family, which I can talk with you on another segment about if you want. Um, so I hear music, so I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries at all. <laughs> We're talking to Scott Sauls. Uh, and again, our great team putting all this together. My producer, Karen Hendren, engineer Courtney Young, Eric Tidwell's manning the phones today. And we want to invite you to call in 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live and taking your calls as well. Got several folks on the line. Melinda, we're going to go to you just in a moment, but let me invite your calls as well. 877-548-3675. Again, it's 877-548-3675. Uh, we're talking about uh, Scott Saul's book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Hurt, Regret, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. At the top of the hour, he described a little bit the meaning of the title. We just jumped into some of the, well, the key subtitle themes that are kind of walking through this, and that's uh, in and around issues of regret, uh, hurt, and fear. Scott's a pastor in Nashville at Christ Presbyterian Church, and we're having, I think, a really super conversation thus far. So let's go to Melinda in Florida. Melinda, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go ahead. Hi, Pastor Scott. I would just like to ask for some uh, advice regarding, uh, I'm a leader in ministry, um, and what would the language sound like or look like for when I need help or I'm struggling and I don't want to let down senior leadership or the, the weight of that responsibility, the weariness? How do, what's the language of asking or sharing, but not oversharing and knowing to, to be vulnerable, uh, it's just so scary. And I would love to know your point of view on that, please. Yeah, so Melinda... Help. You'll hold on, hold, oh, hold on just a second, Melinda. We want to give you a copy uh, of the book. And, and uh, it's, again, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. So go ahead, Scott. 
Melinda, thank you. Uh, may, may I first ask, are, are you on the staff? Or are you a volunteer leader in the church? What's your, what's your specific role Volunteer. Vo- okay, volunteer. you're a volunteer. Okay. Um, so, you know, ordinarily, um, you know, I, I, I would want to ask, I, I would want to ask why uh, you feel uneasy uh, going to the leadership. Uh, that would, that would be a, a first question I would ask. And maybe it's something you don't want to answer you know, live on, on the radio, but, uh, I, my hope would be, uh, that, uh, the leadership would, would not only welcome, but, but want you to, uh, share your need, right? Because in your situation, because obviously, you know, none of us wants to, um, be in a situation where we're leading and there are those, you know, in our midst who are carrying undue burdens. Um, uh, you know, in our situation, I, you know, if you would have, if you would come forward, uh, to, to maybe our elders or to our, our leadership, uh, our staff leadership at our church, um, you know, as, as a, as a volunteer leader, uh, what we would want to do is encourage you to do whatever you need in order to, uh, get replenished and, and, uh, to get the help and encouragement you need. And, and we would want to explore, you know, is there a, is there a, a man or a woman, you know, on our team that could, could come alongside you and walk with you through this for a while. We would, we would want to explore with you. Uh, would it be helpful to set you up with a, with a counselor, with a professional counselor to help you navigate through what's going on? Um, but what we would want to do is, is, is certainly tell you, Melinda, that we, we want you to experience whatever relief you need. And even if that means relief from your ministry and service right now, uh, so that you can address your own burdens and, and maybe invite for a season others to, to minister to you, um, you know, which is often the case, especially coming out of a pandemic, um, you know, just volunteers are stretched, church staff members are stretched. And, you know, it's, it's easy to forget how much care uh, our leaders need. And, and so that's what I would hope uh, would be your situation, that, that, that there would be, um, you know, a level of, of trust and a level of mutual love and encouragement where, where the leadership would welcome that. Um, and I would say, too, there's a lot of shame that can go into, um, um, you know, thinking, even just thinking about, you know, sharing openly our struggles with, the leadership or those that are depending on us to lead them. Um, and I would just say from my own experience over the years, uh, some of the greatest seasons of ministry and most fruitful seasons of ministry uh, have been those where, where I or somebody else has come forward and, and said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a sheep than I am a shepherd. Uh, and I need the encouragement of the gospel through God's people just as much as all the rest of God's people do. Um, you know, even Jesus, you know, asked, asked the Samaritan woman for a drink of water, said, I thirst from the cross, asked his disciples to watch and pray with him because he was feeling, you know, weak and, and uh, you know, discouraged about going to the cross. And, and so I would hope those, those opportunities would exist for any volunteer leader uh, or any staff leader in, in any ministry situation. Yeah, good question, Melinda. And you you mentioned several times, Scott, shame, and I want you to mm-hmm. unpack that a little more because we we think of you know we come to faith in Jesus, He wipes away our guilt and our shame, but shame is 
something that uh, a lot of folks do struggle with. Let me again invite our listeners in as well. 877-548-3675. Unpack to us a little bit more about shame and how we can respond to that in a gospel-centered way. Well, um, shame is, uh, it's, it's this awareness that we have that we are defective, um, that we are unfinished, that we are not fully the people that we were meant to be. And, and in a sense, that's true. Uh, you know, the scriptures talk very openly to us and directly to us about how we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Uh, we are all frail. Uh, uh, you know, interestingly, where, when the when the when the psalmist says, "I'm wonderfully made," he also says, "I'm fearfully made." You know that there, there's there's this sort of you know trepidatious reality of of being human in a fallen world, and um, you know, you, you you go all the way back to the garden, and what was the first impulse when Adam and Eve realized that they were sinners? Uh, it says that they, they realized they were naked, they were exposed, and they were ashamed. Now, now there's a healthy version of shame, right? So, so Adam, Adam and Eve were awakened to the fact that they need grace, uh, and that they need covering, uh, and that they need mercy and compassion from God. Uh, otherwise, they're in big trouble. And so, so that's the positive um, expression of shame, of, of, of recognizing our need and then running to God with it. But what what Adam and Eve did instead was they ran away from God. Uh, they hid. They covered themselves instead of asking God to cover them. Uh, they blame shifted instead of owning up to uh, to their own deficiencies and weaknesses and sins and rebellion. Um, and so, so that's what you could call you know unhealthy shame that looks somewhere outside of God uh, rather than to God uh, to to cover uh, our shame, but. Um, where, where I, where I worry about, you know, servants in the church like Melinda is, 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 is it's possible that, that we are feeling ashamed of things that we shouldn't feel ashamed of. Um, you know, the Lord does not despise us in our weakness. And what I, what I heard in Melinda's voice uh, is, is what I hear in a lot of people's voices. And, and that is, I, I, I don't know if I'm strong enough to just muscle through whatever I'm going through or power through what I'm going through. I need encouragement. I need, I need ministry myself. Um, you know, and we can feel ashamed, um, when we're weak, uh, when in fact weakness is what the scriptures tell us again and again and again is the primary avenue for God's power to show up in our lives. Um, you know, we see that in second Corinthians 12 with Paul's thorn in the flesh, uh, section, uh, you know, the, the bleeding woman at the hem of Jesus's garment, she, she receives power from Christ, uh, you know, on the ground, not while she's standing tall, but when she's laying on the ground at her weakest is, is when the power of Christ is run through her. And so I don't know if it's our Americanness, maybe, uh, that, that makes us despise weakness so much. Um, but, but, uh, weakness is, you know, by the mercies of God and a, a primary avenue for, for his care to come through, uh, for us and sometimes through other people, if we're in a good community that's leaning on the gospel. Yeah. So, so I, I, I want to come, we're going to take a quick, a quick pause and I want to come back and continue our conversation. And I want to come back to the question of weakness as well. You actually talk about 
Um, you know, one of the defining feeling of being a Christian is not walking in strength, but actually in what you, what you call dependent weakness. And I want to invite our callers as well, 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. We're going to continue with Scott Sauls in just a moment. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live, carrying on a conversation with Scott Sauls. Uh, we're talking around his book, uh, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. And just before the break, I, I asked the question about uh, his comments about dependent weakness being more of the posture of the Christian life. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us, Scott? Yeah, so that's that's one of the, I guess, one of the quotes in the book, uh, that the defining feeling of faith is not the feeling of strength, but the feeling of dependent weakness. Um, you know, a lot of times when we think, oh, how do I know that my faith is strong? And, and we logically conclude, well, it's when I, when I feel strong. Uh, whereas Paul says, no, when I'm weak, then I am strong, because it's in that place that the power of God rests on me. And again, I think we get back to the, the conversation, Ed, about... Um, why it is that we that we resist weakness so much when the bible seems to put forth on every page this robust theology of human weakness and god showing up to demonstrate his power through that weakness like like tomorrow morning i'm going to i'm going to preach on the prophet elijah's uh, confrontation with 450 prophets of baal and you know everything was stacked against Elijah, and 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 he was, you know, the weakest, uh, the minority uh, in the situation by a landslide, um, and the power of God triumphs, uh, you know, through his story in First Kings, and and you know we see that all throughout the scriptures, right? And and uh, you know I think I think it's notable too to realize that almost every book of the Bible was written by a sufferer, uh, people in prison, people uh, who were slaves, uh, people in exile, people who are awaiting their own execution. Uh, these are the people who wrote most of the Bible for us. It was born, this book was born out of, out of sin and sorrow and uh, the hope of redemption and renewal that, that comes to us in the gospel. And so, um, so I hope one of the takeaways from, from folks who, who read the book uh, will be that, that, that we need not fear or run from weakness, but instead, you know, look at it as, as one of the key ingredients for um, accessing the power of God, uh, which is made perfect through our weakness. So, um, you know, a little, little illustration here. So, you know, we, we, we talked about this the other day in another conversation, Ed, where, you know, I, I said, I love banana bread and banana bread, the key ingredient is a rotten banana. Um, there's a rotten ingredient that, that none of us would want to eat by itself. But somehow when you put it in with the sugar and the flour and the butter and all the other ingredients, and then you turn the heat up on it, out comes this delicious pastry, right? And that's a good picture, I think, of Romans 8.28 that says essentially that God takes all of the ingredients of our lives, the 
the ones that that we cherish and and hope never end you know those seasons that that just feel so wonderful maybe a vacation or maybe a you know a honeymoon or the, those wonderful seasons um but also the rotten ingredients you know it says that god takes all the ingredients he works all things together for good and and um and so if our imaginations could just be somehow captured by the redemptive purposes of God, um, you know, like Joseph, he said, what, what, what evil people mean for evil, God turns it into good. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the good is, is stuff that we only tend to see in retrospect, uh, kind of in the rearview mirror. Um, and, and so what God is asking us to do is to think ahead by faith uh, about how he might redeem, um, you know, those, those experiences in our lives that we might experience as more rotten, at least in the moment, if that makes sense. Well, it does. It does indeed. Let's go to Matthew in Chattanooga. Matthew, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go ahead. Matthew, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Can you hear me? Okay. I had a comment about how uh, God uses suffering to improve our character because there have been some situations in my life where we had people that were really close to either family or friends and we aren't uh, seeing them as much anymore. And so I don't want to like go into details for the sake of some of the people involved. Um, but I just, my parents really encouraged me to look at how God was uh, using those moments for good. And that really helped during the times of suffering. And I just really wanted to share that with everybody. It's a good word, Matthew. If you hold on the line, too, uh, my producer, Karen's going to get on the phone and give you a copy of uh, Scott's book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. So what do you, I mean, what do you think? Matthew's situation sounds kind of like what you're writing and talking about. Talk to us a little more about that, Scott. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I, I don't, obviously don't know all the details of Matthew's situation or experience, but, um, you know, I think he's just offering, a, offering us an example uh, that, you know, again, God, God has this way of, of taking the most regrettable, uh, difficult and, and troubling aspects of our lives, uh, and, uh, you know, flipping them and, and, and turning them into something good. And that doesn't, that doesn't minimize, by the way, and I think it's important to say it doesn't minimize the pain that we feel and the, the lament and the grief that we feel and, and, and even that we express over, over the harder things in our lives, right? The Psalms are, are full of, of, you know, this deep, you know, sort of visceral gut level honesty about how hard life can be. Uh, but they're also filled with hope, right? And so, so the, you know, the key here is, is, is getting and keeping our minds and our hearts in, in the headspace where, you know, God has a redemptive answer for, for every sorrow. And you know, I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. Uh, he says that heaven, you know, there's that hope, you know, question again. He says, heaven will work backwards and turn even our agonies into a glory. Um, and, uh, you know, what I hear Lewis saying is that it, 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 it's almost like the life that we live now, uh, where there is sin and sorrow and suffering, uh, where there is regret, hurt and fear, the life we're living right now uh, is in some ways like a bad dream. 
And, you know, we've all had bad dreams or nightmares at some point in our lives, and right? And in those dreams, we've lost something or we've lost something that, that was very precious to us only to wake up and realize that we never really lost it. That, that you know, that person that we thought we lost is lying right next to us, you know, our spouse uh, or, you know, whatever it was, we get it back, right? And so our enjoyment of that thing that we thought we had lost is even greater uh, than, than, it, than it would be had we never had the nightmare. And I, I think that's a, that's a metaphor in, in some ways to, to what the life, the fallen, broken aspects of the existence we live right now um, will be not only um, um, eliminated, but, but, um, but reversed. And, you know, where the, the trajectory of our lives won't be toward getting older, but, but toward feeling younger every day, not, not toward getting worse, but getting better every day, not, not getting weaker, but getting stronger every day in what the Bible calls the new heaven and the new earth, um, where it says there'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. That's, that's Revelation chapter 21. Um, again, if our minds and our hearts could be anchored in that everlasting future, right? That, that, that's the, the glory of being a Christian. It's the last chapter of our lives, which hasn't been lived yet, is the only one that will never, ever end. Uh, but all these chapters we're living now that, that include sin and sorrow and, and, and worry and fear, they have an end point. They, they have a shelf life. Uh, they have a termination point. And, and, and so that, that perspective of of where things are headed because of Jesus is, is absolutely critical for Christians to live in hope, uh, in, in a fallen world and in a fallen situation. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. We have, I just like in about 30 seconds, we have less left, Scott, I'd like you just for you to speak to the audience who may be saying, you know, I'm in the midst of a difficult time. How do I find the trust that God's going to redeem my hurt, uh, hurt, regret, and fear? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, this might not be the answer that any of us wants to hear, but even if it doesn't resolve in this lifetime, uh, you can still trust God. Uh, and why do I say that? You know, Hebrews chapter 11, we, we get this picture of all the heroes of the faith, right? That we look back and we admire and we're naming our children after them. And, and it says that none of them experienced the promise of God in their lifetime. Um, but that doesn't mean that God wasn't faithful or that God wasn't showing up. Uh, it's just, you know, that God, you know, has this purpose that, that sometimes we don't understand and this wisdom that sometimes we don't completely see that he's working things out. Uh, the first chapter, three chapters of the book of Job are also supremely helpful, uh, at least to me. Yeah, to me as well. And your book is helpful too. I want to encourage people. Again, the book actually, you can pre-order it. It comes out in just a couple of days. I have some copies. We've given some away. But the book is called Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. And one of the things I love is when I know somebody like the author and I see his life lived out, not super up close, but just to see how he's blessed me and others. I know you'll be blessed by the book as well. Let me encourage you to join us next week. We're going to have John Tyson on the program. We're going to talk about uh, talk about uh, ministering to and leading with sons. We're going to walk through the world with conflicting messages and more. And of course, as always, go to edstetzerlive.com for more information.